I'm with Debbie Driscoll. Debbie is the longtime Delaware Township uh, Township trustee. She's been very active in uh, activities with statewide uh, trustees association for a very long time. Uh, when uh, we get into an economic uh, situation like we are now, I, it's always good to know how things are happening at the trustee's office locally. So, uh, Debbie, thank you very much uh, for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule. Oh, you're very welcome, Larry. Good to talk to you. Yeah, and I want to start off with this. Um, again, I think a barometer of how things are going on economically in any locality in Indiana is what's happening uh, with the, the Township Trustee's Office. Uh, you tend to provide emergency help when people need it immediately. Um, as this coronavirus uh, uh, health crisis moved into an economic crisis, when did you begin to see things really change in your office? Almost immediately, as soon as um, you know the experts, the authorities started telling us to distance from one another and those that had underlying health conditions really needed to start isolating, we had to adjust pretty much everything um, that we do in our office and how we're going to do it, just like everybody else had to do. It's just that, um, you know, the nature of our business is to meet with people that are in need, and now we've had to go to alternative methods. So when you say alternative methods, you're right. You do tend to be a, a an in-person type of, of office, as many government offices are. So do you meet people in person and distance with proper precautions? Do you use other means of communication? What are you doing now? We are doing primarily, you know, uh, phone calls uh, with clients. We are working with those that have email capabilities, which a lot of them do. And we can email them the application. They can either email or text. And for those that don't have those uh, means, they can drop off their paperwork at our office, uh, meaning the application and supporting documentation that we require. Just to give local people the, an idea, uh, you are uh, Fishers tends to straddle two different townships, Fall Creek and Delaware Township. Uh, I've had three homes in Fishers, and two of them, including the current one, are in Delaware Township. But you tend to be west of Cumberland Road. Is that a general uh, rule of thumb? That's exactly right. So with that in mind, uh, I'm just curious – is there uh, a typical person? Is, is it a wide variety of situations you're seeing? Because here's what I'm hearing from people at, at food banks, that they are beginning to seek you know, clients that not only they've never seen before, but people who never imagined they would need that kind of help. Are you seeing those sorts of examples in, in your township? Oh, yes. Um, our requests for assistance have tripled. Um, since this all began, we, you know, had um, pretty much a good understanding of what our averages were for a week, and those requests have tripled. Those households coming to us for for assistance um, have really put uh, a crunch on our ability to see them through quickly. Uh, we used to see people within a day or two of their phone call. And we are now uh, scheduling two weeks out. Um, 
just to try to keep up. And when people do contact you and say, you know, Mrs. Driscoll, I've, I've, I'm, uh, I've never had to face a situation like this. I'm not sure if I can make my rent payment coming up. I, I, I can't buy enough food for my family. What, what's your first step in trying to help these families? Well, the first, the first step really is to try to put them at ease and to help them understand that we are here with the sole purpose of helping people. And therefore, they don't need to you know, be afraid of us. We don't say that, but, you know, we we just try to put them at ease and then we help them understand that it's a process and what that's going to look like. And then I connect them. I'm actually doing all of the pre-screening myself personally right now. So I am talking to each and every client that calls into the township for any kind of assistance. So I'm personally making an assessment as to whether or not it's an emergency and we need to deal with it immediately or if it can wait indeed a week or two on our schedule. Um, and then I connect them with one of the caseworkers who will be working you know, directly with them. I uh, talked to some people at the Youth Assistance Program, a program I know you work with. And, and one thing I heard yes. from her, which I found interesting, I'd like you to, to, to put your angle or comment on this. You know, when I asked her about uh, how the uh, landlords are now being asked to, to forbear one or two rent payments to allow people to get through this, her response was, yes, but that's not always a good thing because forbearance doesn't mean forgiveness. And yes, maybe we're forgiving this month and next month, but you... You know, all of a sudden, when the forbearance ends and the state says starts, you know, saying t- telling the landlords, okay, it's it's fine to uh, to to do this, you know, just to just put people out if need be, they're going to have a very big bill to pay. When you are dealing right. with your clients in a situation like that, uh, do you have any particular plan or suggestions for how they deal with that situation? Well, um, I would concur with what. Our friends at Youth Assistance have told you in that um, as the evictions are simply being um, pushed off into the future, at some point we have to deal with those. And these apartment complexes are not necessarily, uh, well, they are going ahead and applying late fees. I'll put it like that. And we have tried to talk to them and ask them to waive late fees on behalf of clients so that we have a chance to get with them and determine if we can help them. It would almost be better if there were not, um, you know, this delay in evictions, other than it gives us a little more time to deal with cases in that people are perhaps going to use whatever resources they have for other things. And then when the bill comes due, they're not going to have anything. And that's what's going to drive them to the trustee's office. And we are making preparations right now for a a huge surge. Um, So you don't think you've seen the big surge yet? Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's what you're hearing me say. I believe that once the moratorium for... Uh, the utility cutoffs and evictions are lifted, then we're going to see people 
in desperation needing help. And that's what uh, we're trying to prepare ourselves for that now. Um, we have um, upwards of 15 apartment complexes in Delaware Township. And for the most part, that is where our clientele are coming from. Not all of them. We have had some requests for mortgage assistance as well. But we have two or three of those apartment complexes that are currently referring clients to the trustee, to our office. Um, but there are a lot of apartment complexes that are not doing that. And, um, and I expect we're going to have clients from those later. Wow, when you say your your caseload has tripled and you haven't seen the worst of it yet, that is that is very troubling to hear. Uh, I guess the question I would ask you at this point uh, is: to, and you, you've given us a good idea what you're dealing with locally, and that that's it's going to be tough. When you look at budget, I mean, the most of your budget comes from local tax dollars that the state has some involvement. But tell me how your budget's doing. Do you have enough money that will take you through? The end. I think your your uh, year ends at the end of the calendar year, if I remember correctly. Uh, do you have enough money with all of the load that you're trying to take on to to last you through the end of the calendar year? We have enough money in our reserves. I am certain we do not have enough money in our budget, so that's going to require us to do an additional appropriation. That month. And for March 30th or 31st, um, let's see, we had expended roughly 40% of our housing budget. And you're just in April now. My goodness. Yeah, I see what you see. So you have enough, you, th- you feel you have enough reserves for this calendar year to take care of the load as best you can forecast it now. But you'll be working on next year's. Yes, we'll be doing. Good, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We will be doing an additional appropriation, but yeah. So it won't be too many more months before you'll be formulating your budget for next year. I'm sure that's not mm-hmm. a pleasant thought at this point. It's not because we will be preparing our budget before we really are through this thing. Um, since none of us know what that means. So, yeah. yeah, my next question is you're, you're of involvement at the state level. Um, the Indiana legislature is going to have to have something to say about this at some point. Uh, what would you ask legislators to do to help you and your fellow trustees around the state? Well, the Indiana Township Association is working to secure some of the federal stimulus dollars or care dollars that are coming back to the state of Indiana and hopes that we can then distribute those back out to the townships based upon um, their expenditures related to COVID. So in other words, we would act kind of as a middleman, um, but we are working to find some avenue, whether it's that one or another way to get some of those dollars back to the local townships to offset the burden this is putting on the property tax. Um, and that's where we need help. We need legislators and, and the governor's office to understand we are at the front line. There, we are the only pot of money that statutorily speaking or under law, 
We cannot turn people away on the basis of no money. It's a limitless pot in that we are required to borrow the funds should we run out. So, so Debbie, um, well, I guess the next question would be what uh, reception have you and your state organization received from the governor's office, the leadership and the legislature? Have they given you any indication as to what help they can provide? Because next year is a, a budget session for the legislature. Uh, they've, they've even talked about a special session before the end of the year, uh, particularly these federal dollars start coming in at some point. Um, what uh, what are you hearing from the people uh, who ha- who make those kinds of decisions at the state level? Well, um, the the governor's office. Uh, I have been dealing with a couple of people um, from his office and having these kinds of conversations. Nothing has been determined at this point, and of course, we're a lot of our trustees are out talking their local legislators, um, explaining to them the situation in hopes that they understand our need for some sort of offset. In talking to your colleagues around the state, as you would as part of the State uh, Trustees Association, obviously you're you're struggling here. There are areas close to us that are uh, in ways you haven't seen in a long time. What are you here? Where are the real trouble spots in Indiana? What trustees' office in Indiana, trustees' offices in Indiana, are struggling and at this point to to meet the needs of their local communities? I have heard from trustees in all corners of the state. So I would say um, one that really sounds troubled is in the Muncie area. Um, they are getting hit really hard. The trustees' offices. Um, but yet, you know, I've talked to the trustees in South Bend, um, over in Mishawaka, uh, Lake County, down to Clark County, and everybody is experiencing, um, an uptick. Um, and yet here locally in Hamilton County, some of the trustees are not seeing it yet. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, yeah, some of them are not seeing it yet, and I'm not sure... I'm not sure why, unless it's this moratorium on evictions and utility shutoffs. Well, I guess the question I would ask here at this point in our conversation is, you know, people in Hamilton County, Fishers area, uh, again, we're people who are used to being self-sufficient. We're used to Mm -hmm. taking care of things ourselves. We're not used to asking for help. So I guess I would ask uh, for people who have never had to deal with your office, and I would think even more so, if someone listening to this podcast knows of someone in Delaware Township living there who is in serious need of help, they're hesitant to do so. You know, it's it's not something that they would automatically want to do. We're proud people. We don't think we should need help. But if that help Mm -hmm. is needed, what's the first step? First step is to please give us a call. Um, that number is 317-842-8595. And uh, those messages that are captured by voicemail come directly to me and I can pick them up 24-7. So I am picking up calls, you know, during the day and in the evening. And if if they are an emergency, I'm returning them right away. So um, just give us a call. 
and we will get, if we're not there at that moment, we'll get back with you very quickly and try to assess the situation and see if it's something we can get involved in and help you. We've talked about housing some, but yet uh, another area where you and other organizations, and I, you, many of you work together in this area locally, and that's providing food assistance. Sometimes people need food. Uh, you have a food pantry. I know that uh, you and both Fall Creek Township and Delaware Township have a food pantry. Uh, you make that accessible to people who are in need, and you make that assessment. Uh, uh, are you able to meet uh, the needs at this point with your food pantry, That uh, what, ac- what assets you have available there? Yes, at the toward the beginning of this whole um, whole thing, we started limiting the amount of food that we're distributing to each household. We have always had a choice pantry. People could come in, select what they would like, and what they are sure that their family will eat, um, which leads to less waste. Um, but now we are doing prepackaged containers of food and other necessities, non-food essentials, and distributing those um, when involved, um, you know, where safety is, is our first concern. But, but going back, we, we have had to limit the amount of food in order to conserve and be certain that we make it through this with enough resources. Now, the donations have been coming in steadily, and we are so grateful for that. People have been giving um, money. They've been sending checks unsolicited, just um, arriving in the mail, and people have been showing up with donations. It's, um, it's something to see, and it, it, it renews our pride in our community that people come together at times like this and look out for one another. If someone wants to make a contribution to the trustee's office, just quickly explain how one does that. They can just make a check to Delaware Township Food Pantry and drop it in the mail, um, or we have a drop box in the vestibule of our office. Um, It's simple as that. And then we will return uh, with a, a thank you and a receipt. It is tax deductible. So... Um, people can get a receipt from us and um, and use that for tax purposes. Yeah, and there's been a new tax law change where you can deduct up to $300 without itemizing. Just for people who don't know the tax side, there's a new ability to do a write-off if uh, you want to make a contribution like that. Um, and it's, it, it, it is heartening to hear the stories you're telling me about people who are unsolicited giving you money. And it certainly is helping you and others. You know, I, Part of the trustees' goals and, and, and responsibilities would be to help people in an emergency situation. But when you help someone in an emergency situation, be it with housing, food, other, other issues that you need for sustenance, is there a point in time where you have to say, okay, I've done my job, I've got to hand you off somewhere else? Where do you hand people off once you've tried to, to deal with the emergency, or do you actually have to end up doing that at times? Um, I would say that's extremely rare. We see people through until they're back on their feet or make the choice to go a different direction. And when I say that, I mean, 
with our clientele, we spend time with them, helping them make adjustments to their lifestyle and to their household budget or setting up a household budget so that they can live within their means or be able to at least provide um, the primary um, needs for their household. And sometimes that requires us to hold people accountable. And at times, clients will say, thank you, but no thanks. In other words, I'll go ahead and figure this out on my own rather than comply with our requirements. But yet we have other people that realize, listen, I've dug myself into this hole. I need help getting it out. Um, Or um, a variety of circumstances have caused them to be in a place where they need assistance. And we'll stick with them until they're back on their feet as best we can. Um, There are times where we have to call upon other agencies to fill in a gap that we might not be able to help with. But for the most part, at least in Delaware Township, um, we we stay with people until um, we've got a good plan and they're back on their feet and can take off, hopefully, um, take care of themselves. And as you mentioned, uh, I would say your normal clientele, people get into situations for various reasons. I mean, there usually is a backstory. You try to deal with that, too. But in, in this situation, you're seeing people that, you know, are meeting a much different uh, background definition. So my question to you is this. Because you have a, a, a conduit to people at the state level, this is a this is not something that has been created like the last economic crisis where it was a financial crisis. This is a health crisis. So based on what you're hearing, and I know nobody's able to really make solid predictions, but just from what you are hearing from your sources, people who are advising you and others at the state level, how long are we likely going to have to deal with this? When you see the head of the CDC say we're going to have to deal with another surge in the winter, whether you know maybe we'll be better prepared to deal with it health-wise, maybe not. Uh, what are you being told about how long you should be prepared to uh, weather the storm? Larry, your sources are the same as my sources on that regard. Um, you know, as far as any other additional guidance that that is outside the, you know, what average person hears and relies upon, I have none. Okay. So it's just I'm listening to the same news sources and wondering the same thing that you're asking. Okay, fair enough. And I think that's uh, you, you see some of the governor's briefings and, and you realize that they're doing the best they can with the information they have. And. And that's what you and others are, are doing as well. You, you see some really good people working hard at your level, at the local level, all the way up to the state level. But I, I want to an, end this with, with an issue that you and I discussed on a previous podcast. We talked about abuse, particularly sexual abuse. But now that we've been staying at home much more, shelter, we've been told to stay home to the extent we possibly can. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of stories and seeing a lot uh, from people who are experts in this area that when people are all together, if there are already abusive situations, they can get worse in a situation like we're seeing ourselves in now where people are spending all or most of their time at home. Um, I'm just, as, because you have 
worked so hard in this area. What would you say to someone who might be listening to this, who's dealing with, it could be sexual abuse, it could be another type of abuse, or many types. Uh, how does one reach out for help in a difficult situation like we see ourselves in society-wise today? Wow, that you know that's that's a that's a very good question, Larry. And I feel unprepared to give phone numbers right now. There are there are hotlines for folks that find themselves in these situations. Um, you know, if you're if you're able, get you know get to a neighbor. Um, we live in a community where people are ready and willing to help others that, um, that are in trouble and, um, you know, just try to reach out to someone that can get you. We have such great resources in Hamilton County for people that, uh, find themselves in an abusive situation. Call my office. I'll get you to who you need to talk to. Um, there are shelters, there are, um, like I said, many resources for people that are in abusive situations. Yeah, I'll give you a phone number. The mayor has a hotline, a COVID hotline, and he's encouraged people with mental health or abusive situations to call that number. It's 317-595-3211, and they can call your office. I think almost any government office that is staffed and answering their phones would be able to, to refer you to the right place. So I at least gave you one number there, and your number, of course, is out there, easy to find on the Internet and other places. Uh, Debbie, we're about done with this. I know you're so busy, and I thank you for taking some time because I think it's important to know what our local elected officials are dealing with. Is there any message you would like to give people locally before we, we wrap this up? Um, just if you suspect that at the end of... Um, this emergency. Um, in other words, if you're if you're in a rental situation and you're unable to pay your rent now, rather than waiting, come see us now and let us get started on your case and and see what we can do for you. We have a lot of resources, um, far-reaching resources that we can connect you to, as well as considering your your rent payment. But the sooner you get to us, uh, really the better. Debbie Driscoll, the uh, Township Trustee for Delaware Township, thank you so much. Appreciate talking to you. Thanks for your interest, Larry, and thank you for your time.